Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you for a chance to be in your house and to worship you. We look for you, Lord Jesus. We wait upon you this morning. We come to worship you. We offer unto you um, our lives, our thoughts, our prayers, our concerns, our needs, and our joys. And we look forward to seeing how you will meet and how you will step in and how you will transform us as we worship you this morning. Welcome, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning is found in the book of John, chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 22 through 39. Uh, Last week we talked in chapter 10 about how Jesus was our shepherd and we are his sheep. Now, when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to Uh, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders, many of whom were not a part of Jesus' flock by their choice. And this morning, as as we listen, we hear that sometimes we would not be a part of his flock by our choice. You see, it's our choice whether or not we're a part of him or not. It's up to us. He offers us that gift, but we have to receive it. In John chapter 10, verse 22, we read, Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I I did tell you but you did not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. And Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law? I have said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father has set apart as his very own and sent into this world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said, I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father." Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. So, what do you believe? What is it 
that you believe. Have you ever noticed that the things you were taught as a child are really hard to let go of? Even in the, sp- even in the face of things that make it very clear that they're no longer true or weren't true or aren't true, maybe never have been true. <clears throat> now, we learn a lot of things as children, and, and it's kind of odd to me that when we become teenagers, we try to throw all that stuff off. Um, <clears throat> and then when we become adults, we hang on to all that stuff and the truth of the matter is, some of it's true and some of it is, isn't. Isn't that, isn't that the case? <clears throat> Bless you. I remember um, not too many years ago, you remember this? Uh, some of you are too young to remember this, I know. Uh, but this was the O.J. Simpson trial <clears throat> and the, uh, the uh, smoking glove, they called it. Uh, did the glove fit? <clears throat> what was amazing to me about this trial was the division in our country of those who thought he was guilty and those who thought he was innocent. And and it seemed to be divided greatly along color lines. I mean, if you were African American, you thought he was innocent. And if you were Caucasian, you thought he was guilty. And we watched the same evidence and we heard the same trial and we thought, and yet we had two different, totally different views of whether or not he was guilty or innocent. And one side would look at the other and say, I can't believe you believe that. And the other side would say, well, I can't believe you believe that. And of course, the problem was where we came from, wasn't it? Very clearly. It had to do with where we came from, whether or not we believed or we didn't believe. It's interesting to me that frequently there are things in, in the Scripture that that are pretty clear, and yet we have grown up with a different belief, and we're going to hang on to that belief no matter what the Bible says. We claim to be people of the Bible. Shouldn't we be following what the Bible says? Shouldn't we believe what the Bible says? And yet, because of things we learned years and years ago, we refuse to let go of them. And that was, of course, no difference for the people in our Scripture lesson this morning. Because you see, Jesus appears at the Feast of Hanukkah. By the way, the word dedication in Hebrew is Hanukkah. So this is the Hanukkah feast. The interesting thing about Hanukkah is it's not found anywhere in Scripture. But it was a a belief of of the Jewish people that when Judas Maccabees went into the temple and there was only a little oil left when they rededicated the temple, hence the term Hanukkah, right, for dedication, When they rededicated the temple, there was only enough oil for one day for the menorah that is in the holy place. And so they they put the oil in, and miracle of miracles, they call it, miracle of miracles, the oil continued to burn for eight days until they could consecrate another set of oil so that they could keep changing the oil. And they believed that miracle. The Jewish people in Jesus' day believed that miracle. So they were celebrating that miracle when Jesus began talking to them. That happened almost 200 years before Jesus was walking in the temple that day. And they were convinced that that miracle happened. Now, I'm not going to tell you it didn't. It might have happened. I believe in a God of miracles. But what's interesting is Jesus looks at them and says, you believe miracles that happened 200 years ago. Why don't you believe miracles you see today? 
And they say, if you're the Messiah, prove it. <clears throat> prove it. Now, we live in a, a day <clears throat> where people don't believe anymore. You agree with me? Uh, the people you work with, people you go to school with, uh, the, the people that you run into in the story, they really don't believe. As a matter of fact, some of them don't even know the stories we know. Um, and so when we talk about stories that we think everybody knows, when we talk about Noah, when we talk about Abraham, when we talk about Isaac, when we talk about all the great uh, um, people of faith years past, we, we kind of expect people to know that. People don't know that. And when we begin to share with them, this is one of the first things they always say to us. They say, prove it. Prove it. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can prove it. Because I believe we can. But I believe if we're going to prove it, we have to do it in such a way that they will hear it. So when they say to Jesus, prove it, Jesus says, well, the first way I can prove it is miracles. Look at the miracles I've done. You've seen the miracles. Look at the miracles. Now, <clears throat> I'm having a hard time this morning. So you're going to have to help me out here. So somebody tell me, what, what miracles did Jesus do? Say it louder. Heal the blind. Raise the dead. Water to wine. Fed the 5,000. Walked on water. Anyone else? Come on. Come on. This. <laughs> that is miraculous. <clears throat> Caught a lot of fish. Oh, man. <clears throat> What's wrong with you people? You're letting them get all the, the good ones. <laughs> he rose again. Yes. And that was before this, or that was after this uh, passage. But yes, exactly. How about in the balcony? What miracle did Jesus do? Okay, yeah, he, he, he made the, turned the water into wine. Yeah, incredible. Yes, he brought Lazarus back from the dead. Yes. Okay, so we see all these miracles that Jesus did, the, the loaves and the fish. Now, I hear people say to me, yeah, but, but that was back then. Uh, Jesus did all those miracles back then. Does, does Jesus do miracles today? Have you seen any miracles? I love this little picture. Yeah. If you don't believe in miracles, perhaps you've forgotten you are one. <laughs> That's so true. But I want to ask you another question. What miracles did you see this week? You claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. What miracles did you see this week? You saw his love. Where did you see his love? In the hospital. Okay. Good. Anyone else? Any miracles you've seen? He brought you out of the pit this week. You were in the pit this week. He brought you out. Praise God. Anyone else? Yes? That's cool. 
I, I don't know if you heard that. Uh, <clears throat> Mary was in, a nurse, in the nursing home and uh, through a series of events ended up seeing a woman uh, in the back there who was crying, 95 years old. It was a lady from her past, and she and Jim were able to go and encourage her and lift her up. That's just awesome. Good. Anyone else? Yes. Uh, God uses Rose, and that's a miracle, she says. How about the balcony? See any miracles this week? No miracles this week. Ah. Uh, two snowbows yesterday. Wow, that's cool. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I didn't mention Matthew. I, Janet mentioned Matthew this morning. I, praise God. I, I can't praise God enough for what, what happened with Matthew. You know, um, for those of you who don't know, he had hurt his back years ago and had surgery finally and had taken away most of the pain, especially the pain down his leg, and he was just praising God. And then about, I don't know, three months or four months ago, um, a guy ran a stop sign, slammed into him, and screwed up his back again. <clears throat> And he's been in a lot of pain. And uh, uh, Friday he had surgery. And when I talked to Vicky after the surgery, she said that the doctor had originally planned to take all the hardware out and put all new hardware in and have to do more vertebrae. So it was the vertebrae above the ones that were fixed that were now um, <clears throat> needed more. I don't know all the ins and outs. You know, I'm not a doctor, but needed more support. <clears throat> When he got in there, the pieces he had done before had healed into solid bone. So he could take out the, the old stuff and just move it up. <laughs> and uh, you tell me miracles don't happen. That stuff's not supposed to happen. We see miracles all the time. We miss miracles. And part of the problem we have as believers and why people don't believe, why we have to prove it to them is because we stop pointing out the miracles. We start telling them, well, yeah, miracles happen. I see miracles all the time. They say, really, where? I don't see any miracles. Unbelievers don't see miracles. <clears throat> You've got to point it out to them. You've got to help them see where the miracles are happening in your life. And where the miracles are happening in their life. And what's happening around them. They're not going to see if you don't point it out. They say, prove it. Say, well, I'll tell you what, let me talk about my God. He's been doing some incredible things in my life. Have, has he been doing incredible things in your life? <clears throat> and if he has, begin to share those things. You don't even have to be asked. You can say, well, I, I love to stand in the middle of a store and say, thank you, Lord. And people look at you funny. And you, hey, I, I can't help it. Look, this, is, this just happened. You, just point it out. And they'll walk away and think you're weird. Or they might stop and think, maybe God is at work. You see, the cool thing about Jesus coming is He came as Emmanuel, God with us. And if God walks with us, then miracles should be happening all over the place. Through us, in us, around us. <clears throat> okay, so Jesus says, uh, believe my miracles. And then he says this, believe in the Scriptures. Believe in the Scriptures. <coughs> now, whenever someone wants you to prove it, they usually go right to the Scriptures, and they usually try to point out to you all the reasons why they don't believe the Scriptures are true. 
and they have all kinds of ideas about creation, and they have all kinds of ideas about the issues of the day. Now, uh, I've lived long enough to see that those issues change. Um, I, I don't know if, if you've noticed that. Some of you younger people may not. Some of you younger people may think, "Wow, homosexuality—that's really the issue, and we need to deal with that in Scripture." Uh, I think we can deal with that in Scripture, but you need to know that's just one of a series of of debates that come out of Scripture because people are trying to justify, um, trying to make right um, what they see, <clears throat> and so uh, we get caught up in debate. And we get caught up in debating the issues of the day. <clears throat> now, that's not always a bad thing, but frequently it, it deflects what we really need to be looking at. And the problem is that they want to debate the Scriptures instead of saying, okay, what do the Scriptures really say to me? How is this affecting my life? How does this transform my life? <coughs> Jesus comes to this passage. I love it. The Jews, you know, the Jews are all upset with Jesus because he claims to be uh, the. He claims to be God. He really claims to be God, and they're upset with him. So they quote this passage. You can't read this. Well, maybe you can. Uh, <clears throat> this is this is the psalm Jesus quotes, and and of course Jesus only quotes part of it. You need to whenever you come to a scripture that Jesus quotes, you need to go look at it from whence it comes. Okay, so you need to go back to the, the Old Testament and look where it comes. I'll tell you why. Because when Jesus quotes something, if you're a good Jew, when you hear a little quote, okay, especially from a psalm, you hear the whole psalm. Okay? For instance, this morning, those of you who are probably 45 and older this morning, um, you heard a song. And, and Kelly and gang, uh, the Salvation Road here, uh, sang this song. And can anybody tell me what the words were? Well, I, I'll tell you what words come to my mind. <laughs> and it's not the ones Kelly and gang. I appreciate what they sang. But immediately what comes to my mind is those other words. Why? Because it's a song I know. <clears throat> now, that's what happens for the Jews when Jesus quotes a piece of Scripture. Okay? It's as if I said, Jesus loves me, this I know. How do you know that? Okay? Because you know the song, right? The same is true. So, so Jesus quotes this little bit uh, in, in John chapter 10. He quotes the little bit that simply says, Your own scriptures say, I have said, You are gods. And immediately, the Jews there think through the whole psalm. So I want you to look at this psalm a minute because there's interesting things in here. The whole psalm reads, God presides in this great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, but you are sons of the Most High. 
or you are sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Now we could go on for hours about this psalm. This is a powerful psalm. But what you need to hear is Jesus is saying, you claim to believe the Scriptures and you don't follow them. Because if you did, you would defend the poor. You would defend the fatherless. You would take care of the homeless. You would take care of those who are hurting and oppressed. If you really were the sons of God, then you would be acting like God with His love and compassion. And he says, and so why do you get upset at me when I do that? That's what he's saying. When I act like God. Caring for the weak and the poor and the oppressed. When are you going to act out what the Scriptures say? That's what he's saying to them. You say you believe this and you believe that and you believe the other thing, but you don't live like you believe what the Scriptures really say. You pick and choose what you want to live. You pick and choose what you want to say is true. And yet the Scriptures continually say, this is how you're supposed to act. This is what you're supposed to do. And Jesus had broken it down to two really simple things that are very difficult to do. And if you want to fulfill the Scriptures, Jesus said, do this. Love God and love your neighbor. And yet one of the reasons why our world doesn't believe the Scriptures is because we don't love God and we don't love each other. We say we love God, and yet we go ahead and do whatever we think is best, whatever we want to do. We say we love each other, and yet we constantly do things to hurt one another. We constantly uh, run into one another. We constantly offend one another, sometimes on purpose. The Scripture is clear. The reason why the world doesn't believe it is we don't live it. You see, the only way you know the Scripture is true is to try it. <laughs> C.K. Chesterton said that, that the reason why Christianity isn't, isn't fulfilled is because people have tried it and find it hard. Well, they, actually, they find it hard and leave it untried. And it's really not hard. It's just difficult, isn't it? It's not hard to love God. God loves you. He gave His life for you. He, he does everything He can to encourage you, to uplift you, to make you more like Him. He, he tries to make your life fulfilling and purposeful. He loves you very much. It's not hard to love God. <clears throat> and it's really not hard to love other people once you get the heart of God in your life. But we struggle. We struggle because we don't really believe what the Scriptures tell us. The world says prove it. The only way to prove it is to live it. And finally, they say to Jesus, prove it, and Jesus says, well, I keep telling you who I am. Why won't you believe it? Now, some people try to tell you that Jesus didn't claim to be God. <laughs> I find that interesting because you see, in this passage, they, they try to stone him because he claimed to be God. And he doesn't say, well, no, why do you say that? I'm not God. And then, of course, came the end of his life. You remember that? 
and the trial in front of the Sanhedrin, not the trial in front of the Romans, trial in front of the Sanhedrin. Do you remember what the, 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 uh, <clears throat> yeah. it's there, it'll come. No, the um, accusation was, I told you it was there. <clears throat> the accusation was against Jesus. It was blasphemy because he claimed to be God. And they killed him for it. And he never stopped and said, hey, wait, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Don't kill me for that. No, because that's who he was and is. He is God. And so the question is, what do you do with that? If he's truly God, if he's truly who he says he is, then what do you do with that? Well, then you have to make him Lord of your life, don't you? If he's really God, then he demands, he, he requires your, your worship. In other words, you have to put him on the throne of your life. Uh, I, I love that countdown timer we did a number of years ago with the stool. You remember that one? The, the stool and, and the ladies sitting on the stool and, and Jesus comes in and she gets up and she puts Jesus on the stool, and that was the center of her life. Jesus thought, that's where I want you to be. And then as, as it goes on, she starts talking about other things, and you see her climbing, trying to climb on the stool with Jesus on it. She's trying to climb on his back because she still wants to be the center of her life. She still wants to be in charge. <clears throat> and finally, Jesus stops and gets up. Well, actually, they end up kind of pushing it. She pushes him over, so they're kind of like... Uh, both sitting on the stool, and he says, hey, wait a minute, I'm one cheeking it here. <laughs> and do you really want me to be Lord of your life, or don't you? See, that's what it means when we say Jesus is our God, that he is Lord of our lives. In practice, not just in words. James put it this way, as a body without the Spirit is dead, so is faith without works. Dead. See, if you really want to prove it, you have to live it. And by the way, that's really the only way to prove it. Now Jesus said all that, and they still didn't believe Him. And I don't expect everybody, when I share, when I live like Christ, to believe it but I've noticed that every once in a while somebody does. Maybe this morning you'd be willing to believe it. Don't, don't believe what I say. Believe what I do. Don't believe what it, what it looks like on the outside. Look for yourself. Have you ever seen a miracle? If you have, then how can you tell me Jesus doesn't love you? Have you ever had Scripture make a difference in your life? Well, then read it and see if Scripture will. Give it a try. I guarantee you Jesus will come and begin to transform you. If you've never, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never asked Him to be Lord of your life, today's the day. Because He will give you life like you've never experienced it before. I could spend a lot of time trying to use words to prove it to you. Try it. See what happens. Let's bow for a word of prayer.
Lord Jesus, thank you for our time together this morning around your word and just for the miracles that we see you do and for the grace you give us as offered through your word and for an opportunity to remind ourselves to put you first in our lives. Father, we know that that's what will draw people to you when they see you work in us. Father, we pray for those this morning who who don't have a relationship with you. Maybe this morning they came saying, prove it. Just pray, Father, that you would open their eyes, that they would look at, at those that brought them here. They would look at those who are here already <clears throat> and would ask the question if, if you make a difference. Lord, we pray that you'd touch their hearts, that this morning they'd say yes to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.